Welcome to Insights with Sights, the Symphony of Scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit slash podcast We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. The feeding of the 5,000, our gospel reading for this Sunday, is the only miracle story recorded by all four Gospels. Our Year B Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John share as well the account of a fearsome sea crossing which follows this multiplication story and in which Jesus comes to the disciples walking on the water In the Gospel of John, this mysterious boatless night crossing of the Sea of Galilee by Jesus leads the well-fed crowds to believe he is still at Tiberias. Finding him instead, after looking and searching for him at Capernaum, Jesus then launches into a long discourse about food and feeding the true bread from heaven, which runs the length of the 70-plus verse, chapter 6. Our lectionary has therefore decided to depart from Mark at this juncture and thus allow a five-Sunday-long walk through the sixth chapter of John, which begins as did Mark and then moves into a more extended address. You will note as well that many of the details are the same, the five loaves and two fish, the command to sit down in the grass, the Eucharistic-like blessing and breaking and distributing, twelve baskets of leftovers, Fear from the disciples at Jesus' approach walking on the water. Both of these details are shared by John and Mark. In John, the reference to Passover is likely intended to underscore the Eucharistic overtones of the chapter, since the fourth gospel provides no Last Supper scene alongside and like unto the other synoptic witnesses. In the continuous reading we find in track one through the books of Samuel, this Sunday we land on the terrible chapter of David's affair with Bathsheba, the wife of his stalwart mercenary warrior Uriah the Hittite. The heretofore flattering and salutary portrayal of David suddenly shifts to its shocking nadir. With the men in the field defending Israel and David prowling the rooftop in indolent free time. 
In this one episode, we witness coveting, adultery, false witness, as well as a breaking of the first of the Ten Commandments. Our psalm summarizes David in his wretched loss of integrity. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But God looks down from heaven all the same, high above David on his rooftop. And with the same cleared eye truthfulness of our narrator, David contriving to cover up his misdeeds and Uriah holding fast throughout it all to his integrity, thus frustrating David's schemes and sadly leading to his own death, left alone as he is on the front lines given the command of David. In the annals of the Assyrian kings, there is never a misstep, only flattery and victory without ceasing. Israel's record, the Old Testament of itself, allows the horrible light of truth to shine when even on God's anointed, the divinely sustained David, because it is a record guided by the one God of truth and of righteousness and mercy. If read as the Old Testament lesson for this Sunday, it's hard to imagine a greater, more stunning contrast with the Davidic King Jesus. There is David stingy, self-indulgent, conniving, a spiral into godlessness, where in Jesus we see healing, feeding, multiplying, selfless, compassionate service. In Mark's Gospel we read that they had no time even to eat, and yet here in John and in Mark, there is King Jesus feeding, healing, multiplying. God himself. Oh, that deliverance would come out of Zion, our psalmist cries, restoring the fortunes of a broken people. And there in John and in Mark he is. Over the coming weeks, we will stay with the storyline of David and then his successor, Solomon. Next week, David's confession following this affair before the prophet Nathan. We read, and alongside it, the penitential Psalm 51 with its telling line, Against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Create in me a clean heart, O God. The Old Testament lesson in track two chosen to come alongside the New Testament's feeding of the 5,000 is this very brief account of Elisha, his multiplication of in his case, 20 barley loaves and ears of grain. This Old Testament story has likely influenced 
the multiplication stories of the New Testament, if not Jesus' own sense of himself, in showing him, Jesus, to be a prophet greater in spirit than even Elijah or Elisha, his predecessor. Elisha is well on the way in our stories where we find him to becoming a powerful wonder worker. It is a time of famine in the northern kingdom. And in the section just preceding ours, Elisha has turned a pot of lethal food into healthy and sustaining soup. And now a man arrives with a sack of food during the famine for the man of God. And Elisha insists that it will suffice for him and for his hundred fellow prophets. And he commands it be set before them. His servant, like the disciples, objects that it will only be enough for a few. But they eat, all of them, and as Elisha had promised, there is bread left over after a filling meal. The way is being prepared here for the true bread of life come down from heaven, present in signs and figures, in Israel's manna, in Elisha's loaves, and present in the flesh, feeding 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fish with 12 basketfuls left over. As the grace we set at my parents' table put it from this 145th psalm read in response to 2 Kings 4, The eyes of all wait upon thee, O Lord, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and fillest all things living with plenteousness. How appropriate for Elisha in his day and for the Lord Jesus and the 5,000 in theirs. The Lord is truly near to those who call on him faithfully, as our psalm puts it. The Ephesians reading in our continuous epistle reading is this morning the soaring prayer of Paul for the church, which points at a kind of doxological excess and overflowing, equivalent to 12 baskets left over after starting only with five loaves and two fish and feeding multitudes. There is a richness, Paul speaks of, untapped and fully on offer that God the Father is ready to give Due to the work of Jesus Christ, therefore the saints living and those gone before. Paul strains to find adequate spatial terms to describe this richness of glory God wants to impart, and thus he prays and he bows his knee to God the Father that you may have the power. Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith to comprehend what is the breadth and length and height and depth, 
of the love of Christ surpassing knowledge and be filled with the loaves of God's very life and spirit to basketfuls of overflowing. As indicated over the coming Sundays, the next four of August, the gospel reading remains here in the sixth chapter of John and the various discourses provided there on the true bread from heaven, the bread of life. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. Eucharistic teaching in the manner of the fourth gospel. Track one in the Sundays ahead takes us from the revolt of Absalom, part of the temporal punishment for David's sin and into the reign of Solomon. The next four Sundays will bring us to the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And the Old Testament paired readings focus on feeding and new life as the Old Testament dwells on this rich theme. In the manna, in the wilderness, in the desert feeding of Elijah, the Feast of Wisdom in the chapters that open Proverbs, and the final chapter of Joshua where new life in the Lord is set before the people. In our little village here in France, next to the parish church where you can sometimes hear the bells in these podcasts, the long days of summer have arrived, August. The lovers of holidays, the French, are ensconced in their August vacation time in earnest. And I suspect so too where you are in Canada and in the U.S. and elsewhere. So I too will take this hot August month off and leave you with the bread of heaven from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John and return then for Pentecost Sunday, the 15th after Pentecost and the first Sunday in September. In our podcast series, we have been moving along for now 30 episodes. Do you have suggestions? I will likely stay with the same basic format, which is intended to stay close to the lessons in their entirety, their associations, and relationships, so as hopefully to get you started in your weekly reflections, and for many of you listening, sermon preparation, or for simply worshiping and reflecting and praying along with these texts Sunday after Sunday. So if you have feedback, Kindly send it along to our Wycliffe hosts. And for now then and until the first Sunday of September, Godspeed and let me thank Terry Spratt and Steve Huco for their excellent week-to-week studio help and encouragement.
We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.